You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Divorced. Beheaded. Survived. And tonight, we are... What's going on? Welcome back to the Queendom Podcast. If you haven't been here before, my name is Josh. I am your host. And next to me is Ms. Lucy Eisden from the Bliss 2.0 cast. Hey, Lucy, how are you going? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am good. I am so excited to be back talking about six, guys. It has been a hot minute. We had a very extended Christmas break, but we are back. Um, so, Lucy, why don't you tell people how you got involved with six? What was your experience in finding this show and getting involved um mine was like a long experience I actually auditioned for it like four times I think um basic this is a funny story so there's a there's a bar in London called Freedom which is like where all the like musical theatre people go in Soho and I sang there's an event called like Kinky Cabaret and I sang at this event and then I got drunk it was dancing on this like a pole dancing around this guy was dancing with me and we were singing to Beyonce and I was like oh my god I was like so fun to like meet you he's like you too he's like are you a performer and I was like yeah yeah I was like are you and he's like oh no I'm a writer I was like oh my god what have you written he was like uh, six and it was Toby Marlowe and I'm on a pole like Woo! with Toby Marlowe I was like no way I was like that is at the first time I heard the um, soundtrack I was in my bedroom and my housemate came in and was like what's this and honestly I swear down it was Anne Boleyn's song and I was like I'm gonna play that part one day I was like this is like me and like through that it was when it, it was before it was costumed it just come from the fringe and was going to the arts so it was like when it still wasn't choreographed yeah. And I was originally in for swing, but I'd not had swing experience. And I got a few rounds in and then they said I didn't really have swing experience, which is so fine. And then they got me in again and it was for the first tour. And I was initially in for Amberlynn and Howard. And then I got down for that and then missed out. And then the next time I was in, I was in with Courtney Bowman, who obviously got it in the um, West End. And we were in for Berlin together go all the way down to the end and then obviously Courtney who's incredible got it and then the last time I was in for it I was in for Berlin and Cleves and I was like oh this is a new one <laughs> and yeah and then and then got it that way that way and it was so it's so interesting because like the first few times I was like oh why didn't I get it like what did I do wrong and when you get it they're like it's not it's nothing to do with that it's they're trying to build a cast of the six cast. girls yeah that like they were like the, the very first time was that I'd not been a swing and and they didn't really like know what they would it was still wasn't choreographed and it's so interesting to see the process at like that time I didn't even dance I just sang my own song like three rounds in and then did this and then the next time I sang all first and then dance and then now it's like you have to do three dance rounds different singing rounds and you're yeah. like the way it's developed is is insane but it's yeah it's been really fun <laughs> that is so cool um so if you weren't playing Berlin who would you want to play it always changes, but my consistent. I love to play par. Like for for a few, a I love those trousers. That costume is sick. I love I love my UFO skirt, but I just think it's so cool. But my favorite part in the whole show is when we do the remix in "I Don't Need Your Love," and I just think that whole song. I I love "Don't Lose Your Head" one hundred percent. Like that's Anne Boleyn's my number one, but that would be my second one. I just think she's so. 
they're also fierce in their own right, but because she survived and because she tries not to play up to this hype, I think she's a bit like a little bit different, which I like. Yeah. How much about the queens did you know before coming in to this show? Let's go let's go Anne specifically. How how much did you know about Anne? It's not honestly not a lot. And it's weird because I actually did history at A level and um I we studied and I'd studied Tudors and, and it's so interesting because when you do it Obviously, when you see six, you you understand the concept, but you don't really like realize how little you know about women in history, and that it's like if I I teach a lot of like six dance workshops to kids, and I'll be like, tell me a fact about Henry VIII, and they're like, he's fat or he's ginger, and then you're like, well, tell me what Catherine Howard looks like, and they're like, what? And they don't even know what she looks like, and it, I couldn't believe like Anne Boleyn, I knew, I knew she obviously had her head chopped off and I knew that she was accused of being a witch for having six fingers, but like they were all negatives. I didn't know that she was clever, that she, I knew she grew up in France, but that she danced in court, that she was musical. And it was like interesting to learn all those things about it. And you, you think they're all promiscuous, not all of them, but like obviously Howard's painted as promiscuous and Boleyn. And then when you actually look into it, like she's accused of like, is it super mother? I can't remember if it's a brother or cousin. And you're like, that's messed up. Like, that's yeah. that's horrible to say. No proof of it either. That it was just yeah. an accusation. <laughs> not, not at all. And like, even with the other queens, that like Howard was the one that shocked me the most. Because obviously, when you listen to the song, you think it's cutesy and you're like, cool. But she was 15 when she married Henry and he was 52. And you're like, what? And then I think that's when you learn stuff and you're like, all these women like had their own amazing lives and you only know how they died or survived like do you know what I mean what happened to them in regards to to the man which is so interesting and when we did it like when we learned the history in like the first week of rehearsals you do a lot of like historical context it's so interesting to go oh that's what that means and that's why that that was said and we had in when we were preparing to go out and rehearse they sent us like um documentaries to watch and I actually went to Hever Castles like in Kent where so I actually went there and I was like this is mad like how or you they're perceived as being these promiscuous things but actually this guy created a religion chopped their heads off like all of this to get what he wanted yeah and like I we we know that history is told from like the male perspective but when it comes to this type of stuff I don't think we realize how yeah how male dominated this society was like we know it's there but like the fact that somebody sat on a throne was like I want a new religion oh look this person said this about you I'm gonna chop your head off like it's insane like just to think about that time and how people had to live and just oh it's yeah and it's even like even being a daughter of a king like being a woman was seen as like he wanted an heir Hmm. so then and it's so interesting like obviously this isn't the context of the musical but like when you learn about elizabeth that like didn't want a husband and and it's all about like that women are so put down by not having like a male in their life and this guy who wasn't actually that nice was a womanizer like was like gluttonous and like all of that like it, it's so interesting that we in history and even as a kid you're taught about this guy that's just had all this like, money and and you don't realize that you're actually not learning that about these women that were incredible and ultimately like some of them like made him him and 
you kind of when you look at it you're like oh that is that is really sad and really bad that you don't know and when I teach kids now obviously I can't give them like a history lesson but I'm like I want you to learn about them like I want you to know how cool they all were and like how like Aragon had been married to him for so long and was like I'm not letting you send me to a nunnery like that's strong and like imagine like you've you've been married and had a kid but you're gonna go and be a nun like what (laughs) it makes no sense (laughs) so how much research like did you put into the other characters around Boleyn as well like yeah we did quite a lot we had to do so so interesting the first week like pushed out of your comfort zone you had to do like a presentation um of your queen but they also did it where they hot seated you so our director you had to be Anne Boleyn and they asked you questions so then all the other queens like found that out and it was interesting and it is it's so key to the musical to learn about their relationships with them like that me and the reason like a lot of Boleyn's lines are cut in with Seymour like when my favorite favorite line I know it's mine but in the whole show is when Seymour says what hits more than a broken heart and Boleyn's like a severed head like I literally got my head I said that is genius like but she's cold towards Seymour and like when she takes the mick out of her dancing because ultimately he killed Boleyn to be with Seymour and like trying to have Seymour also like a part of her court. Yeah, yeah. and so she, like, was, she was she was like one of her Seymour at one point as well. So. Yeah, she's like her lady in waiting. But Aragon, one of her ladies in waiting, was Anne Boleyn. So it's like a pattern, and it's it was interesting to learn that because obviously, in "Don't Lose Your Head," when she's like, "Don't be bitter because I'm fitter," she's basically saying, "Hey, he's getting rid of you for me." Yeah. So having yeah. that banter, and then it was obviously in life, like Boleyn wouldn't have known. Howard and Paul, but like having that that we both got beheaded unity and then that unity against Cleves that actually yes she was called ugly but had a, got a pretty sweet deal of getting a castle getting everything she wanted and then Paul surviving so it's interesting and having the the bitterness that you see throughout it that you think is the rivalry but then actually at the end realizing that you all share the common denominator that is this guy that's an idiot like and I think this is so like deep but like into even in today's society especially like in our industry you have girls that date the same guy and you're the girl that dated that guy and you're like no 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 that he dated us like we're the sick ones <laughs> like and you have to you have to see it that way that even now still women can be based around a guy like it's never in like the media like Brad Pitt dated Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie not Jennifer Aniston dated all of these. It's always like the 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 male is like the the pinnacle. It's still a bit like that today. But I think that's what makes this musical so one relevant, but too cool is that Lucy and Toby like sat down and were like, "Cool, let's have a look at this." But how do we make it as modern and relatable as possible that people understand what's actually going on, so we can tell a full history lesson in ninety minutes? from different perspectives and everybody understands what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) Just the mechanics behind this musical are just absolutely incredible. Um, Jumping into rehearsals, um, it's been like over a year since you (laughs) started rehearsals. So the fact that we're pulling this off the top of our heads, guys, is (laughs) insane. (laughs) Yeah, we flew out on the 16th of February. So literally like last week. That's mad. (laughs) It's been a hot minute since Luce has been around this show as well. <laughs> so um, jumping into rehearsals, you get through that kind of history lesson. 
then getting to kind of start putting this show together, working with Franny and um, the team, what was that like kind of seeing bits and pieces come together and discovering Anne on stage? Um, so um, we actually had a bit of a weird <laughs> deal. So the normally in like the West End tour, Australia get four weeks to learn the show. Um, we got three. So they decided, <laughs> of course we did, because then obviously why not? Um, they just they decided they wanted to see if they could do it in three weeks, not six. It was like the NCL side wanted to see if they could do it in three weeks, and we did, but by the skin of our teeth. And they've now obviously with coronavirus but the next cast that was going in was going to get four weeks again because we were doing like 8 a.m till 8 p.m days but then we were going back and we had lived like on the complex and we were all going to the gym and like going over stuff and if we'd not done that there would have been no way that it would have stayed in our head and we were literally we'd go in in the morning we did the show in chronological order so we started with ex-wives you'd learn the vocals and you put it on its feet and we always did like exercises with them so especially with like the solos we did like kind of improv exercises to work out what the relationships were in, in the song and then we'd learn the choreo and then put it all together by the end of the day and then the next day you'd start with like um no way and what we'd learn and then learn don't lose your head and then the next day you'd learn you'd go over everything you'd done and then add the next bit on yeah. so it was it was it was quite hot like i remember we got to I loved it. Like, I loved the process. We had such fun. But we got to the day of Get Down and Freya, who is our choreographer, looked at me and I literally was just like this. And it was the easiest move. And it was like a little hand move and I couldn't get it. And Freya was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm so tired. I don't know why. <laughs> and we got to, and everyone was like, remember the Get Down day? And all of us were the same. Like, it was an easy click and someone would be on the wrong beat and we'd be like, what is going on? But because we'd got so, like, We'd learnt so much in a short space of time. We got to get down and everyone was like, what? <laughs> Brains like mush. Insane. Um, so getting, what was your kind of um, light bulb moment? I, I feel like everybody has them when they're in a show um, of when you were like, okay, this is, this is happening now. We're, we're ready. We're good to go. I feel, I never felt like, really real till because we because it was such a short run and and like um a rehearsal process and as we were leaving to go to florida and um, to go to the ship the it was when coronavirus there was started it was like starting to be like we didn't really know what it was and um we didn't do our office run so we didn't show anyone else it and it was weird because my best friend from like newcastle home was doing priscilla yeah. And he was like, oh my God, like I wanted like, to watch and it was going to be amazing. And then he never like, got to see it. And it kind of wasn't real then. And then when we did our first dress run and had the costume on, I remember being like, oh my God, this is mental. And I'd like, it honestly was a dream show for me. And I was like, I can't believe I actually like got here, especially all the times that I'd auditioned and like not just not got it or things like that. And I actually knew um, Jade who played our arrogant. Me and Jade worked front of house together and we've known each other for years. And we kind of were like, as if we've come from like that place of being together through that the we did all the audition audition process together, obviously, and then getting it. And then I remember <laughs> hilarious because we did like two shows but I remember our first show I cried afterwards but like I was it wasn't like sad I was like I can't believe I've actually got to do 
like my dream show and I remember texting Franny and Freya just being like thank you so much and and my dream role like for actually being able to like finally get it so I think that was kind of when I was like oh my god this is actually like real <laughs> then COVID happened so we didn't even do it but <laughs> up to that point I was like this is it this is insane yeah we'll, we'll swing back to COVID in a second um, <laughs> getting in the green and seeing that come together talk me through that roller coaster um hilarious because I remember so I know Courtney who plays Blin in town really well and she sent me a video when I got the job being like oh my god you look like a toad but you're gonna love it because I can obviously see the green and I was like oh my god and we got there and it was like our second week and we had like um makeup like tutorials and hair tutorials and they put my space buns in I was like ah! <laughs> like they're finally like there on my head like but it was so funny because they initially my hair was shorter and they initially tried to do it with extensions, but when I danced, they like moved on my head. So you're like, no, we look like Leia by the end of the show. So it was, it was so amazing to be like in, in the green and stuff. But I remember it was my very first, I was so lucky my costume fit in. I was one of the only people that didn't need adjustments or anything. And I put my costume on. It was weird. I put my costume on and I was like, I love it. And like was obviously obsessed but the next fitting I had my B attached the first fitting I didn't have my B attached and it was when I got the B and like the collar I was like yeah I look cool <laughs> like this is amazing. but it's so hard like Berlin you can't you can never sit down fully because of the skirt will yeah. push up yeah. and then obviously you've got the top bits so the top bit will push up so whenever I sit I'm actually on my like quads like pulling up and like trying not to like squash my whole costume up but yeah, that that first time I lo I loved I loved the costume. We call it the UFO because it like moves. Yeah. Um, but I think seeing it and my my costume's a little bit basically they they so they had the um West End designs and then they had the Broadway designs that are updated versions, yeah. and they'd updated the Berlin's one, but then they changed it again. But for the Bliss cast, they hadn't changed it back. So yeah. mine's a little bit. A little bit different. It has like a little cross pattern on it that other other Berlins don't have. So it's a bit unique. <laughs> jumps to Instagram to have a look at this. What the hell? Yeah, it's new. It's new. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, I love the new update. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. It's just mine. And it's not that they didn't like it, but they they went a different way with the actual new costume. Yeah. So then mine's just this little this little different bobo. But then, like I said, COVID, so the costume cursed it. <laughs> Man, I forget how, like, awesome these costumes are. If you guys are watching oh this or listening to this and you haven't actually seen costumes before, please jump to Instagram because... They're so... Like, honestly, like, when... That's why I'm upset. The par one is, like, my favourite thing ever. Like, the the trousers. Mm -hmm. I'm just, like... And, like they're that, just so cool. But not even, like, the trousers. Just, like, the, the attachment up the side of the leg. Like, how it's not, yeah. like, a full seam. It's, like... Gabby Slade, you were... a Freaking genius. Genius. The I new like I've said that a million times in season one, but guys, we're starting <laughs> in season two, don't you worry. <laughs> it's like the new um I think they I think they did it in the the one that went to the lyric that, that obviously the West End opened and then shut again, but they had um the new Cleves reveal, which is the new like bam like <laughs> we had in rehearsals my goodness because they're like plastic and you, you pull like they don't move it's not like a normal top yeah. and scarlet had her like iems in 
thank goodness it was like the dress one and she went as she takes my phone I mean Gabby grabbed it pulled it but pulled her IEMs out so she couldn't hear the music and we were like so her jacket was just on the floor with her headphones on the floor and we were like oh, we're so sorry <laughs> like we just yanked it because it wouldn't come off and we were like scholars like, I now can't hear the music <laughs> live performance folks live performance <laughs> <laughs> that's so good um all right, now let's talk about some heartbreak. Um, okay. <laughs> we're going to get deep and sad now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, go off the high of opening on the ship and then COVID happens. Um, talk me through your process because you guys were out at sea when it happened, weren't you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was the experience like from your perspective? It's so it's so weird. I mean, I literally was just before I I, I came on here was on the, um FaceTime to Becca, the our Howards, like we're really close and we were like, I can't believe like it's been a year. And it it was so weird because because you're it's not like you're in the West End and you know what's going on, because you're at sea and also we were in America. So American news is very different and obviously Trump was in power, Trump was like saying it wasn't this big deal, like obviously like and we didn't really know what was going on and we got called into a meeting obviously we'd we'd literally opened the night before and we got called into a meeting and we just thought it was that and we'd only just so jersey boys is on with us and we just met them and they were like congratulations and all of this and we sat there and they were like basically that's the last show and like tomorrow when we um dock in new york everyone's going to be getting off except you guys and we were like okay and at first, we literally thought it was going to be like two, three weeks. We didn't know, because we weren't in England, we didn't know the severity of what was going on. And we actually thought, because we stayed on the boat um, for a week, we were on there for two weeks extra. We were there for a week and we were like, oh, we're just going to stay on here till it's done. Like we genuinely thought we would stay on there and then when they re- like had passengers come back on, then we would be there. And it kind of got to a point where... I. I initially think none of us processed it because we didn't we didn't mourn it because we thought we were coming like we'd be back, and then when we got our flights and stuff. I remember saying bye to like because a lot of the Jersey boys are American and Australian. Yeah, they were like, "See you in like a month," and we were like, "Yeah, we'll see you like in a month," and like just didn't have a clue. And we got back off, and it's so bad. Like looking back, we got back off in the UK, didn't have masks, didn't quarantine. Like we didn't know what that was. Like we weren't told anything, and. Obviously, then it happened, and I was like, and then each NCL would be like, yeah, we postponed it till, like, May. And we were like, oh, we'll be going back in two months. And I think it got to, like, August, June, like, last year, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this isn't this isn't finishing. Like, this is not. But obviously, because we came out of lockdown, we were like, oh, there's hope. Like, in, in the UK, we obviously came out of lockdown. Yeah. And then we went back into a tier system. Then we went into a lockdown, and we were like, what is going on and I genuinely think until about Christmas time none of us had like fully processed it Mm. and it then it became like a reality of oh are we going back that then became uh, the sadness because I think we always thought well we're going back but now we don't know what travel's going to be like we don't know if they'll hire Americans to do it we don't know like if because obviously travel bans are in place and obviously obviously it's Biden now but Trump had stopped people coming in the borders and we were like it's just that's the sad thing and and 
the weirdest thing is I I've always been in casts of like boys and girls yeah. and I was like nervous not in a bad way but that obviously to be in a, a group of girls just a full cast of like well, there's 10 with rehearsal swings but like eight girls and honestly I've never gotten along with people so like we were like the like best mates we on Christmas day we all FaceTimed each other on New Year's we all FaceTimed each other and it's like that's the sadness that we never got to see how like that would develop fully like on stage if that yeah. makes sense but this connection yeah. now after yeah. rehearsals in one show like imagine yeah. the full contract yeah i get you <laughs> it's insane guys like at the start of covid i was a travel agent um for those that don't know my background so i was working in travel so i was watching it start in china and then all of a sudden i'm trying to get people home from italy and america and i was i lost my job due to covid and that's where this started mm -hmm. but like seeing cruises stop and then all of that type of thing we we honestly thought oh yeah cool a couple of months it'll be good and then broadway shut and i was like i remember the initial vibe when broadway shut it was like yeah cool it'll be a couple of months and we'll be back and here we are a year later like it, it's it, yeah insane how underestimated this this was yeah um, and it's weird how because we we saw because we had a stopover in new york before we went to the ship and then um, we saw Moulin Rouge literally two days before it then closed. Can we talk about Moulin Rouge? Oh my Phenomenal. God. Phenomenal. I was in, I was, um, this is, it's gone out again. I was in for it. So there was, we had lockdown. Then we came out of lockdown and then we had a little lockdown. And then in November, uh, December, it opened up again. I was, I got an audition for Moulin Rouge. It is the, I was in the room learning the Broadway choreography and I was like, this is the best thing in the world. Like incredible. We learned the like bad romance section. And, Oh my god! It, a, it's the hardest thing ever. Like legs, but like commercial, like vibes. Okay. But honestly, when I watched it, I was like, "This isn't." I, I'm going to be really controversial. I don't like the film. I'm not a massive no. fan of Nicole Kidman in the film. I agree. The musical. And the yeah, oh. and the music, like, like shut up and no, actually, the elephant medley, phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. when we like. when we saw it, we were like. This is insane. And then two days later, it shut. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? I, I was that... in New York in like January. So I, I saw it and I was like, oh my God. And I saw it another two times. <laughs> so I saw oh it three God. times in one trip. And I was like, <laughs> I just couldn't like, but not even that, like the way they did the theater up, like. Stunning. Oh. And, it, and I love the guy that played Toulouse. Here's a fun fact as well. Uh, when I went to drama school, um, Aaron Tavette was in England doing Assassins and he did a workshop with us at college and he sat here and I sat here and I was like this the whole time, <laughs> just staring at him talking. He was like teaching everyone. I wasn't watching people singing. I was just watching him, <laughs> like sat next to him. Like he was in incredible. Like I thought, like, I thought everyone, like the dancers in it. I was like, this is top, like top, top show. Yeah. I've seen I've seen a lot of Broadway shows and I've I've loved them, but that was just incredible. It just blew me away. Just like the updates to the show for you guys that love the movie. Like imagine the movie, but modern songs. Like um, I love Chandelier, the Green Fairy. That was yeah. like because that was my most hated scene in the movie was the Green Fairy scene. It got yeah, to yeah, yeah. And then they started. I was like, oh, guys, this is now the Moulin Rouge podcast. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> just the <laughs> fan club <laughs> um but yeah i am like 
it's about to open here in Australia and it's going to be so much fun. Oh, my God, amazing. Um, but it's so, it's so weird, like, even how the – like, because my friend Alex, who did Jersey Boys, um, when we were out there, like, obviously, you're not fully back to normal, but obviously Australia, he was like, yeah, like, Frozen's open. And you're like – it's so weird how in different places we are, obviously because of how our government handled it. But like things like that, that it's it's madness that a year on, like yeah. Broadway's not back yet, but like then Australia, like different places are. It's so it's so bizarre. It's that and like I've I've got my other podcast for those of you that are listening and have been long time listeners to the Queen Queen and podcast. I've got my other podcast, We Are Theatre, and that's covering kind of like the return of theatre. So I went. Uh, I've been chatting to the guys from Come From Away who were in Melbourne and I went down to Melbourne, but I also got a shock because when I came back, I had to quarantine because there was an outbreak down there. So like it was like, oh my God. kind of reality hit like, oh my God, this is like still a thing. Yeah, cool. I can travel to all these theatres, but like crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Um, what other shows did you see? Let's let's just have a travel chat now. <laughs> oh my God. I've, I've, seen, I've seen so many, like I... I've been to Broadway a few times, but I went, I went cost three years ago now by myself. My friend lives in Brooklyn and I went to train at Broadway Dance Centre in Ely for a bit. And I saw Come From Away when it first came out, Waitress with Jason Mraz, interesting, um, Hamilton and what else did I see? Anastasia. So the last like four Broadway shows. A lot of I people s- haven't seen Anastasia. What was your thought Love. about Anastasia? It was... Oh. When they danced on the walls, I was like, "Yeah." But I saw I I I have seen Hamilton in the UK as well. But I I said to myself, I was like, "There's one show that I'll pay like money for." Like, and Dear Evan Hansen was on, and it was Ben Platt's last week or Hamilton, and Hamilton's my favorite musical. Yeah. And I was like, and I, I was like, I'm not the queue for for. Hanson was so long yeah. and like Hamilton was only like three people and I was like I've got more of a chance and I literally I made friends in the queue they were so cute and then um, I love it like <laughs> I, I love it they were they were um pilots like that had had like a, a night like a layover and they were like oh we don't know anything about the show and obviously I was like well <laughs> I told them <laughs> and <while> <laughs> I got I got tickets and so I was like, on the front row and then at the interval I heard Lucy and I turned around and it was them and they were like we got tickets too and I was like <laughs> like it was because it was it was sold out for so long yeah. and yeah that was that's the Hamilton on Broadway is the best thing I've ever seen yeah I th- I think I'd go and say that <laughs> it'd go close <laughs> I, mean, I definitely think Moulin, Moulin Rouge for me takes the game. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of looking at my wall because these are all the shows that I've seen for anyone that's wondering. Oh my god, that's amazing! Um, and this is—I saw, kink- saw Kinky Boots on Broadway. What else did I see? The Kinky first Boots, I saw I Newsies. So when I was in New York, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the Australian production had just closed, and one of the Aussie guys had come back to Broadway, and he was the understudy for Lola on Broadway. And my mum and I were there. And we knew him. And I was like, hey, going to be there. And he got us backstage. So I got to stand on, like, my first Broadway stage. After oh, my God. So freaking cool. That's oh, amazing. Oh, just absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not – so oh, – Frozen is great just for the costume change. Like, just for the let it go. Oh. Ooh. I'm excited. Yeah, because it was – well, obviously, it was meant to open oh, here, yeah. but – yeah, so it should be. 
at some point. It's weird. I, I, I saw... When I came the first time to Broadway, I saw Newsies, which was incredible. I was front row. Oh, that was incredible. Seize the day. On the paper, like getting paper thrown in my face. I was like... Oh, <laughs> and I haven't seen it. That is... Uh-uh. <sighs> and and we saw it was meant to be Jeremy Jordan and we saw the understudy Andy Kaplan I, ca- I think that was his name incredible like inc- like he was phenomenal and then I saw we saw that Wicked which I do love but I, I've, I have seen it like so many times oh my goodness we saw Bridges of Madison County and it was with Ke- with um, Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pascal the, I didn't know anything about that my friend Michael was like um, I want to go see it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like fine." I meant to see it, and it was honestly, I cried so much. I was like, "This is um, like masterclass of like acting in a musical." And then obviously Derek Klenner was in that, and then he was in Anastasia when I saw him, and I was like, "I mean, he's just I, unreal." Like, <laughs> I'm so stagey. Like <laughs> these things. Like my like kind of idol. Like if I yeah. when I was performing, like he was my like just and. By the time I got to Anastasia, I had Cody Simpson in for, um, right, okay. which was really cool. Like he blew me away. Like I, I wasn't a big fan of him as a pop star, but as a <laughs> as a theater actor, he's got some chops. And I was like, yes, okay, I can yeah. do this. But yeah, like oh, guys, theater is just because he's, <laughs> he's in Jagged Little Pill, isn't he, Derek? Well, yes. was in oh. Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's did. the. He's- the brother, but it's it's weird when you say about pop stars. I saw when I was little, I loved Jason Mraz, and I saw him in a <laughs> waitress. He didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> I was literally like, he was making up stuff. He dropped stuff all the time. It was it was so funny. But I was like, you ain't got a clue what's that, happening. <laughs> that was me watching Mean Girls. So when I saw Mean Girls, I had um that YouTube guy that was in. I can't remember his name, um, but like I felt bad for. Um, the girl that was playing Katie because like he couldn't hold a heart. She was doing a fantastic job, <laughs> and like I barely knew the show, and I could hold the harmony better than what he. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It was a duet. There was no one else on stage, and oh, it was just painful to watch. And I was like, Oh no, this is Broadway, guys! Come on, <laughs> like, <Okay. no." laughs> oh, musical theater, guys! Live performance. Yeah. We love it. We love it. Um. Oh, I just love talking about theatre. It's been a hot time. I've just been able to... I know, it's been so, so long since I've watched... We, I luckily got to see um, one of my other favourite musicals. And this is weird because it's only new that became, like, one of my favourites is, was Jesus Christ Superstar. And I never liked... And then, like, the soundtrack, I'm like, oh, okay. And basically a choreographer and director, Drew McCorney, who did um, King Kong in Broadway... He's like my idol. Like he did on the town here, he did in the Heights, and he revamped um, Jesus Christ Superstar. And it's kind of similar to the John Legend version, where it's like really cool and like hip hoppy. But like over here, it's just like next level. It's one of the best. It's one of the best shows visually I've seen. And we were lucky because when lockdown ended, they had like a season in the summer because they could do it outdoors. And we got. To, I think that was the last show that I saw. But other than that, I've not seen a show since. Moulin Rouge, like that's mad. It's like, insane, hey! Like I used to I, watch like t- ten a week. <laughs> yeah, that was like I like when I when six was on, I was like in Sydney every weekend, like, and it's a two hour trip for me down. But like, it went for a year, and I, I remember walking back into the theater and being like, "Nah, this isn't real." And then I sat down in my seat, and I like 
saw the stage and I heard like the ambient music and I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. This. And I just remember hearing the overture and it was frozen. So all I hear is na, 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 hey, yeah, na. <laughs> and I just start sobbing. And oh my I, God, I, that will be me. That oh. I'll be gone. Just insane. And I'm like crying thinking about it. You guys are it's actually like, to see me crying. <laughs> I'm not actually crapping off. <laughs> it's like um, I literally, because when it came, obviously the lyric opened and it was here. And I was like, oh my God, like I want to go see it. Like, obviously I'm saying that Hamilton is like my favourite music, but Six is definitely like, sec- like they're both up there. Like I, I not even because I'm in it, I loved it before. And I was going to go and see it. And I actually, I, I do like kickboxing in my spare time. And Colette, who is the alternate in town, was there. And I was like, and I was like, oh, I'm loose. And we were like chatting. And she was just like, I don't know how long it's going to last. Because also next, like two doors down from six is Jamie. And that was opening up. And then three doors down was Les Mis. Yeah. So that the whole street was the only theatre. So it was just packed. And obviously like COVID over here, like that wasn't allowed. And I literally saw her on the Tuesday. And she's like, I don't even know how long it's going to last. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get a ticket. And she was on for Seymour. And then literally the next day she was like, I knew it and it just, they were like it's closing and you're like you can't just get like obviously with our state over here they're just like up and down and it was so sad because everyone was like no we want to go watch it like we want that like to see it and hopefully they've they've said for us and potentially may time here now so we're like come on <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed like i just having conversations around the theaters here just like having the arts back as a option for people yeah. to consume is just such a a big relief and there's so many like first time theater goers like when i was in melbourne i saw come from away three times and i was just like chatting to everybody and they're like yeah we haven't seen it before this is our first show like that we've seen and i'm like oh get ready to the party. <laughs> <laughs> um but like it's just cool to think that everybody's found a way to consume or find theater during yeah last year like there's going to be a lot of not only like new patrons in the theatre, but also new talent coming across that haven't thought of theatre as a viable like performance outlet or something like that before. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how the industry kind of bounces back after this, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to um, be interesting. Like, I feel like there'll be like new works and like different like yeah. – and as well, like writers have had like a lot of time to like write and and come up with ideas in this yeah. in this time. So it's going to be exciting, and people not there's obviously always passion in the industry, but like people just like want it even more now, and it's more of that like drive that performers yeah. have and and stagehands and like creatives have that now is going to be there and creating like fresh and new things. Yeah, and like you just think of everything that got like the amount of times that Six tried to come back in the last year, like shout yeah. out to the producers, like you guys tried to make everything happen. Yeah. Happen, yeah. Um, but you had like squad goals going on for a little bit there as well. And what was it? Let's yeah. go into there. <laughs> what should we get? What should we get told off here? Squad goals. Oh my God. So obviously Jade is in it as well, who is my arrogant. Um, 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 it's just a lot, isn't it? So they... It was at a football stadium and I initially, I initially was swing. So I went, they basically, the whole show was like funded and it was Essex Girls and obviously I'm from Newcastle and it had two 
northern like leeds bradford girls one was jade and i mean jade's from everywhere jade is literally from like she's from wales but then she lived in, in manchester and like she's got every accent under the sun so and then the other girl was from bradford so i started a swing and it <laughs> i ended up being the lead girl and they they just something happened with the other lead girl and it ended up not working out and they got me in but like I had a week till the show and I hadn't learned that track and I was like what and the whole first half was like a play um about women's football and like how it's still that stereotype that you're either a lesbian butch and there were people that were playing the stereotype but there were people that were girly that wanted to play football and it was all about like women not getting paid the same as men and the game not still being the same kind of a similar vibe to six of being like the women are still under a pay grade of men and then the second half was a 20-minute commercial dance piece of a football match, which was the most exhausting thing I've ever done. It was incredible. And, like, all these, like, insane songs, like, Boss Bitch, like, Bad Bad Man by Missy Elliott, like, these cool songs. But, oh, my God, we'd be, like, sweating by the end of it. But, basically, COVID happened again, and they introduced <laughs> rules. They introduced rules of six, and it was an immersive piece at the beginning, and we had to get rid of that because we couldn't take people around because we couldn't be next to them and we weren't wearing masks. Um, and it just got to a point where it... Also, we were in Essex, so it was, you had to travel to get there, which obviously then we weren't supposed to do. And it just kind of... It was meant to be a six-week run or five-week run, and we ended up doing two. And it just was like... And it was split cast in case one cast got COVID or had to quarantine and had another cast. Um, so we didn't even do that many shows each. And it was kind of that the same thing of six of doing this rehearsal process and then not really doing the shows. Yeah. So yeah. it was such a, it was it was a similar thing. But I think because of six, I had a hard, a hard skin and we kind of went in going, this could happen. I think if we go in with that knowledge that if I was going in going, oh my God, we're going to do this run, but we were like, COVID's happening. We might not even, I remember our company manager being like, we might not even get to press night. And I was like, that's so that's such a weird... And this is a funny story. On press night was the actual day that the rule of six came in and that you couldn't stand up and that you couldn't play music indoors. And it was our press night. So we're all there in, like, dresses. And Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss came. And me, we're all sat in groups of six. And me, Lucy Moss, Toby and Jade are just sat there like having a packet of crisps and, like, they're having pints of beer. And we're just sat there on this press night. Like, isn't this the weirdest experience of your life like I was just sat here like happy rest night and not being allowed to be in one big we weren't even allowed a photo together because we weren't allowed to be in a group yeah. we were like this is bizarre bizarre it's just a, it's a crazy time and it's going to be very interesting to see how everything kind of <laughs> comes out the other side because it's just it's going to be very interesting I'm yeah oh this is insane um, <laughs> Let's jump back to six because we've spent like half an hour talking about other sorry guys that came here for six. Um, Lucy, she's a queen, so that's her. All the um, what's your favourite part of the show? Oh, I do. I, I think, yeah, my favourite part is definitely when we do the breakdown of the remix of I Don't Need Your Love. I think that's the... Because that's the bit when obviously they're like, oh my God, we're treated the same. We've been fighting this whole time. 
and it's like that empowerment of actually and like the all the old school like funk house moves like it it just for me is that in insane like camaraderie like of the show and like when we come in and sing the end of it and we're all in that circle together just like it's not even choreographed it's like vibing with each other yeah. I remember the first time we did it and we were obviously in a in a circle and Megan is part in the middle it was like it, it was because we got on so well it was just like one of the happiest like moments of my life like that that you had that moment on stage and I do think that 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 was my favorite bit in the whole show I love and I, lo I also love Get Down. I love that sassiness of being like, we're that cool that we don't even really need to move. Like, yeah. <laughs> that like choreo of like, we can click and we're cool. <laughs> I love it. I'm just like, I've got this picture in my head of like that last section of um, I Don't Need Your Love after you like do the remix and it's like, and then Pa hits that note. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, guys. You know, you know, right? <laughs> Um, and if you've listened to this show long enough, you can probably picture what we're talking about in your head. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, Luce, that pretty much brings us to the end, mate. Oh my God. That's mad. I don't know if there's anything else we can talk about. Um, <laughs> if there is, we'll get you back. Um, but to wrap things up, um, what does this industry, the theater industry mean to you? Um, like, oh let, my let's God. Go Put a nail in this the deep, this deep. It's, <laughs> it's, I was literally talking about this yesterday. Like, my friend, this is this is going to be the weirdest way of putting this, and I'm going to backhand what he actually said. We were talking the other night about like what makes people happy and and all of this, and obviously he's staying happy in this time. And my friend, basically, which I I disagree with, was that external things can't make you happy. And I do believe, obviously, you have to have happiness within yourself. But I think your friends make you happy in their external and your family. But we were talking about careers, and he was talking as a perspective of like being a lead in a, in your job or being like having a Netflix role or having followers. And I was like, I don't want it for that. I want it because dancing and singing and acting makes me happy. And that is where my happiness comes from. I don't determine who I am and if I'm happy, if I've got a job or not. Like, cause there's so many times as actors that we don't have jobs and we're doing that part-time job. But my happiest is when I'm on the stage and it's not because I'm in work. It's cause I'm doing what I love and being, I've done, I've always, I can never tell you another time that I've not known like that I wanted to be an actress. And I was, I always say this when like people ask me, I was about three or four and my granddad, my mum's dad, showed me a video of um, like a cartoon called Tom and Jerry. And there was a video of Gene Kelly dancing with like this, obviously it's animated, but this cartoon and dancing with Jer Jerry. And I was like, I just want to dance. And then obviously my granddad introduced me to singing in the rain and, and things like that. And from then on, like, I remember my first school assembly, I was like, I'm going to be an actress when I grow up. And But I never wanted, I was like, oh, I don't want to do TV or film. Obviously, I would do that in my career. <laughs> but I just love, I love, I wouldn't be like no to a Netflix drama. But what I'm saying is, I just love the idea of being on a stage and the idea of live performance and having that feeling, like, especially like, Six has been my favourite musical today. I've done incredible shows that I've loved, but today, even though I only did two shows, has been my favourite musical to be in and having that feeling on stage of that happiness. But it's also of 
making an audience happy and I've learned that very much in this lockdown time that it's an theatre is an escapism and I get angry and not not because I'm like oh we're not being supported right now which we're not and actors aren't but it's that thing of we make in England six billion to the income because arts are so needed and not just theatre like everything but it's an escapism escapism from life and it sh- it's shown in people like that have done concerts in lockdown like how many people buy tickets and how many people watch stuff on their screen because it makes them happy and it's that feeling of you doing that especially with six I never had I'd done shows a lot of shows but never had like um, a fan base yeah. and when you do it it's that feeling of that that this show makes so many people happy and makes them feel confident and gives them that and this show is so in the casting breakdown. It says anyone that um, uh, anyone who identifies as female. It doesn't say like, oh, you have to be a female to play a queen. Like this is open for like gay people, trans people, like women empowerment. Like it's just it appeals to everyone. And I feel like that's what to me theatre is. Is that I know now in lockdown when I feel rubbish, I'll watch Hamilton and I'll feel better. Or I'll listen. I listen to musical theatre. Like when, when I see people, I like change my my Spotify like as if yeah, I'm really cool and I listen to like Drake, which I do love. But like it's normally like lame is, and I'm like, oh no no, I'm listening to cool music because I love musical theatre so much yeah. because I think it brings that that joy and also like it like like you were saying with six, it educates you as well. It's not even just like. I remember watching Hamilton with my parents and they were like, what is this? And you're like, this is what this means. And like, this is why it's, this is why it's cast the way it's cast and things like that that are like revolutionary. Like when you look at Parade, even coming from away, like they're all real stories. That's that I still can't get over that. Like, uh, and, but even when I, w- I went to watch Come From Away and I sat next to an, um, they were American, obviously they were Canadian, but I sat next to an American couple and they didn't know about it. And I was like, that's mad that this story obviously happened here and they didn't even know the story. And I remember crying when I watched it and I was like, this is this is real. And it's done in such a way that honours it, is clever, is a beautiful piece. And it's like, you have shows like that which are true and educational. Then you have like fun shows like Beetlejuice and like, and and mean girls that are there to just bring pure happiness and frozen for like family so it's just an environment that that brings joy and i think that's why i do it because a it brings me joy when i'm doing it but i also love the fact that it brings other people joy and brings people gives people confidence to be who they want to be and outlet like express themselves the way they want to express themselves and i think that's external to the stage as well like there's obviously that outlet for the performers but the the stories and everything that are told in these shows it's like listening to your favorite album like you're going to pick up stuff out of it and you're going to gain inspiration yeah something out of it that's what theater is definitely to me even 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 like even like wicked like you you go and watch it sometimes on the surface and you're like it's just this amazing musical that is before the the wizard of oz or you go and identify as someone that's maybe a bit different but is actually worthy of love and worthy of everything that they deserve and you don't have to be especially like for girls you don't have to be this typical pretty person to fit to, to, to be strong and be and then but she then finds herself when she accepts herself as well for being they're both are these women that have empowerment and you have that in so many 
other shows like Les Mis showing you different characters, Kinky Boots, like, come on, these these guys in Dragon being like, it's okay. And, and also showing the development of like Don, of like acceptance and things like that. It's It, it helps shape like our community and like, yeah, who, I, I feel like it's one of the only industries in the world that is acceptant of everyone for who they are, what they are. And that is, and that's brought by theatre and theatre icons and people in it. And I feel so much so now it's like uh, colourblind and everything like casting is just like if you're right for the role and you play the role, then that's that's what it's going to be. And I think it's exciting in that in that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think theatre, we're running with this topic because this is just... Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, but like it, it presents those social issues but enacts immediate change. Like you can watch movies and all that type of thing, but theatre, you're in a room with a thousand other people consuming the same thing, but you might take something out of it or it might, because you can see that person physically, um, you might have an eye contact at one point that just really sinks a point. Yeah. But I think it enacts immediate change where film and TV don't. So like yeah. it's presenting that. And then, like, all, all of those social issues that we're pushing, I think having them on stage is just where it needs to be. Yeah. And it's, it's even, like, it, it challenges, like, with things like Hair and Rent and Spring Awakening and Bear, like, all those shows challenge the norms and stuff and have, like, have had, obviously, Hair had controversy and things like that. And But it's that thing of it, it creates conversation which like obviously Hamilton did and then the way that he colorblind casted it and you're like, but this is why. And this is why that we're showing that America is built on immigration and built on and reclaiming like obviously George Washington like had slaves and kind of was working with John Lawrence to abolish slavery but still wasn't fully there and is played by a black man to reclaim that power. Like it's so clever and when it makes you think you're like, it should be theatre should be evoking change and making statements, but then also like we're saying, like make people happy and have the outlet of like that that joy of like an an art and and associating with people on stage and just feeling like for for that hour and a half two hours that you're just like somewhere else, which is like that and that is genuinely like. I always thought like when I was younger, I was like, is there anything else I'd do? And when you've had like rubbish times when I've been like, I'm never going to work. And you're like, um, is there anything else I'd do? And I'm like, there is nothing at all that I'd rather do than than be on the stage. That's so stagey, but. <laughs> uh, but it, it is what like I, I wanted to perform um, and that didn't work out for me. But here I am still in this industry in another facet. Like those of us that have kind of are dedicated <laughs> to, to this art form, we're stuck here. <laughs> like we're not going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You can try, but you'll come back. <laughs> but like um, just with the social issues, like the biggest push and the most confronted I've ever felt in a theatre is Jagged Little Pill. Like if you guys can, if it comes back, go see Jagged. It upfront talks about like drug abuse and sexual abuse, like, and it is full on, but it opens your eyes to so much and it's just crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, guys, that's it. We're going to try and wrap this up before an hour. 
I know, sorry. I'm just, I'm the worst uh, for talking. <laughs> that's all good. We, uh, we are setting the bar. Season two is back, guys. If you haven't already, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that follow button on, uh, if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get it. We will be back weekly with a brand new queen. Guys, we are back, and I am so excited to be back talking about this show. Um, and hopefully we will be here covering it as it returns to the stage. Fingers crossed, May, UK. Please, <laughs> we need six back on our stages, guys. Um, so make sure you are following me, Josh on the air, the Queendom cast. Follow Luce at Luce Eiston. All the links will be down below. Guys, that is it. And we will see you next week with a brand new episode of the Queendom podcast. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.